0: Right, thank you for that. Good evening, everyone. So Mr. Sparksman, he's been doing a series and the Bible study in the city about like common questions unbelievers would ask a believer, and we've got to choose one we'd like to do. So Tim did his a few weeks ago, and I did mine last night, and I chose the topic, Why would a loving God send good people to hell? So this is like this is like a really common question. A lot of unbelievers would ask a believer, and they usually use it as like, an attempt to like disprove God, and like especially the God of our Bible, and like I see it in like a lot of posts and stuff. Like when people would put up a post for like Easter or Christmas, they would always, always comment something, and it start like an argument in the discussion, in, like in the comments, and they'd say like, oh, why would a loving God do this, or why, how could God do this? And it's just, like once I was reading one, I was like, I just don't know what I'd say back to that. And like maybe you have been asked this by someone before and that's why I've really wanted to look into it because I wanted to know, well, why would God do that? And I always say like, oh, sin, but like, but like I want to look like further into it. So, and it's also good to know it because then you can lead to further discussion with an unbeliever and potentially lead them to Christ, which is the end goal. So, but before we get into the points I have, so we have to look at first what a loving God is. So if you turn your Bibles to First John 4, So, like the world, they would see an uh, an unloving—oh, sorry—the world would see a loving God as like someone, a God who would be non-confrontational and would let you do anything you want and would just tolerate anything you do. And the phrase "a loving God" assumes a lot about God already, but this this type of loving God is not biblical at all, and it's not how God is. So, the biblical definition definition of a loving God—sorry, I'm not in the wrong chapter. 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he, he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. So God doesn't have love like us humans have it. And he, God is the literal definition of love. It says God is love. And he therefore can't do anything which is unloving, because love is his character. And that's good, because God can't be loving and unloving at the same time. So the first point tonight, so that would. So it's why would a loving God send good people to hell? The first thing we see is none of us are good in God's eyes. So there's a big difference between being good in man's eyes compared to God's eyes. So you may be good compared to man. You may see that person who helps that lady cross the street or pay for that person's shopping. But in God's eyes compared to God, we're not, we're not good. We're not perfect. And God states that in his word. Romans 3.10, if you turn there. Romans 3.10 says, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. And that's, that's pretty self-explanatory. There's none righteous, no one's righteous. And this doesn't mean that people are just always bad and they're incapable of ever doing anything good. It just means that there's nothing we can do to change the fact that that's the sin nature we're born with. And if you look down in the next few verses, in uh, Romans 3.23, it says... For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So that's just it's just the sin nature we're born with, and there's nothing we can do about it. And it may be un- hard to understand this for some people, because you think like, well, oh, like for some people you may know like the like a grandma up the street who helps takes her granddaughter to school every day, and they she like works for charity on the weekend and does all these things, and you think how could how can she not be good? But let's say she's taking her kid to school one day and she does 60 in the 40 zone, and she gets a ticket from the from the cops and she stands before the judge and she says but I've done all these things in my life and he says yes but you still have to pay the consequence for your actions what you've done and this is, there's more proof of this like, that these good things like, that doesn't mean anything so if you turn to Isaiah 64 sorry I'm a bit crook got a bit of a runny nose Isaiah 64, and we we'll read verse five to seven. It says, "Thou meetest him that rejoiceth and worketh righteousness; those that remember thee in thy way. Behold, thou art wroth, for we have sinned. In those is continuance, and we shall be saved. But we are all as an unclean thing, and all—this is the main part—and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away." And there is none that calleth upon thy name that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee. For thou hast hid thy face from us and hast consumed us because of our iniquities. So it says there, all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. So if we look back to the main question we're looking at tonight, why would a loving God send good people to hell? First thing we see is, well, none of us are actually good. None of us are perfect in God's eyes. And the second thing is, there's nothing we can do, That works that we do don't save us. So people expect that those good things people do should send them to heaven because that's what makes them good their works but no amount of works can ever save a soul you could solve world hunger feed every stray dog in the world and cure cancer but it won't get you into heaven because you still have sin in the way between you and God and if salvation was being based on good works absolutely no one in history could ever get into heaven there's no way you could and if it is based on good works it pikes up some few questions so how good do you have to be why did Jesus die on the cross for us Was there not a cause of him shedding his blood for us? And then who saves man? So salvation isn't of works, but it's actually God's free gift. So I actually have like about five verses here that I want to go through just to solidify this point. So if you turn to Romans 6. Romans 6. Romans 6 verse 23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It says, but the gift of God, it's God's gift towards us. John, John chapter 4, if you turn there please. John chapter 4, and we'll read from verse 9 to verse 10. So it says, then saith the woman of Samaria unto him. How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman from Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou not knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. So again, it's the gift of God, and that living water is uh, the eternal life that God gives us. If you turn to 2 Corinthians... Second Corinthians chapter 9. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15 says, Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. So that's his gift again. And then this is a verse now that proves that there's the works don't save us, and that it is that it is God's gift to us. So in Ephesians 2, Ephesians 2 is the one that just. Solidifies this point really. Ephesians 2, and we'll read from verse 8 to 10. So it says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath ordained before that we should walk in them. So it's through grace that we're saved. And it's not of ourselves, not of, not of works, lest any man should boast. And then the, the last verse I want to look through for this point is in Titus, Titus 3. Titus 3, verse 8. This is a faithful, oh sorry, sorry, i read, sorry, that's the wrong part. Titus 3, 1 to 7, sorry. Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after the kindness and love of God our Saviour toward men appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, But according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Saviour, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So it's really clear here in the Bible that works can't save us, but that doesn't mean that they're bad. The next verse, straight down, verse eight, says, "This is a faithful saying, and these things." I will that thou affirm constantly that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. So back to the question, why would a, why would a loving God send good people to hell? We need to, uh, we need to see. So we're not good and it's not because of things we do that gets us into heaven. So then that brings up my third point now. So how, it says, we're, why would God send us to hell? So how does someone actually get into hell? So we need to understand we need to understand what causes or allows someone to either get into heaven or hell. And we'll look at first, what can I do to get to hell? So there's there's three main steps you need to do to get to hell. Be born, commit a sin, and die. And that's the fast ticket, straight to hell. So just ignore God with your life. Don't give any thought to him. Don't do anything like that. And you're straight into hell when you die. And we have to remember that God doesn't actually send us to hell. We're already on our way to hell. He's the one who made a way out of it for us. And the reason we do go to hell is because sin prevents us, well, sin prevents us from communing with God and having a relationship with God. And we go to hell because we cannot live with God forever if our sins aren't covered and washed by Jesus' blood. But the thing about this question, why would a loving God send good people to hell? It implies that like, God's just more than happy just to send everyone off to hell. Like, oh, everyone's good, I'll just send them off to hell. But we can see that this, this is completely not God's character. It's completely different to what God's character actually is. So if you look in First Timothy, First Timothy chapter two and I'll start in verse four. It says who opposes and exalted himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he has got so that he as God sitteth in the temple and God showing himself that he is God. Wait, oh sorry, I'm in the wrong verse. I'm Thessalonians, I just realized. That's not even right. I was wondering. <laughs> First, uh, First Timothy two, verse four. This is this is better. Who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth? For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. So it's it, literally there in verse in uh, verse five it says who, who will have all men to be saved and come to knowledge. He wants everyone to get saved and come to the knowledge of who God and who Jesus is and what they did for us and what he did for us. Second Peter, turn to 2 Peter, please. This also shows God's heart about, about not wanting to, us to go to hell. 2 Peter chapter 3. And in verse 9 we read, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. Sorry, 2 Peter 3 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but as long-suffering to us would, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So these verses are pretty clear about what God's heart is towards us and that he doesn't want us to end up in hell. But then now, now that we know how to how someone does go to hell and that maybe people have identified that they are on their way to hell. Well, how can, how can someone get into heaven? Well, what can I do to get into heaven? And the main thing is there needed to be a perfect blood sacrifice to, to pay the cost of our sins. And this was, this was a pattern throughout the Old, old Testament. They would always uh, do sacrifices with a perfect lamb. You can't have a broken leg, can't have anything wrong with it. And this would show as a representation of what Jesus was coming to do later on. And... That's what Jesus was. He was that perfect blood sacrifice for us. And God did this because he is a loving God towards us. John 3.16, for God so loved the world. He sent Jesus to come down to earth in a form of a man. He was born of a virgin. He was tempted in all ways, but he never sinned, so that he could be that perfect blood sacrifice for us. And we can see that it was because of Jesus in Ephesians. Turn to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians 1 verse 7, it reads, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. So it's in whom we have redemption through his blood. It was through Jesus' blood. And if you, if you do want to get saved or lead someone to Christ, the Romans road, walking them through that is, is a very good way to lead someone to Christ. And, but I think, for me personally, a, really, a verse that really sums it up well, which, I, which is one that I was actually uh, led through, was in 1 John, 1 John 1.9. And it's good, to, it's good to know this one off by heart. Well, it's good to know a lot of verses, but this one too. 1 John 1, nine, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if we ask for forgiveness of our sins and believe that Jesus is God and that he died and he rose again on the third day for us, then we are saved and we can be assured that when we die, we will go to heaven and spend eternity with God. And, and like that verse said before, it says God is not slack concerning his promise. Just like if you have a rope and it's, it's got a lot of slack, it's just free to move around and do whatever you want, do whatever it wants. But, but God is, it's not slack, it's secured and, and God is true to his promises. He, won't, he doesn't move around with them. And the good thing is, once you do get saved, there there is nothing you can do to change that. You can't undo your salvation. You can't lose that. John chapter 10 is a good verse that proves this. John chapter 10, starting in verse 27. It says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. And that's just that's the assurance we have, that there's nothing we can do to that. It says, no man is able to pluck, me, uh, be, no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. And you say, well, what if, what if I walk away from God? It says, no man, not even yourself. You can't even take yourself out of, out of God's own hand. And that's, that's the security we have. That's the good part about it. So, now that we have these points here, we can look back at the question, why would a loving God send good people to hell? And the first thing we see is, well, no one's good in God's eyes. We're all fall short of God's standards and we all, we all miss his mark and therefore we aren't perfect, so we can't get ourselves into heaven. So we cannot save ourselves, the second thing. Works can't save us. No matter how much works we do, nothing will actually get us into heaven unless we accept God's free gift into our lives. So there's no way for us to get into heaven by ourselves and we're already on our way to hell. But God loves us and he made a way for us. Remember, he's not sending us to hell. We're already on our way. He made the way out. And that we, uh, He made a way for us to be able to receive the free gift of eternal life. So God's God's handing us the free gift, but it's just up to the individual whether they accept it or not. And that's a... That's what I feel is the answer to the question there, so thank you.